welcome to Ars Arcanum. I'm Autumn. As always, I'm joined by uh, Nora. That's me. And uh, Tilly had to take a brief break from podcasting. They'll be back soon. Uh, until then, we were joined by a special guest, Jackson. Hello, I'm the third chair. <laughs> Jackson, have you read Elantris? No, no, I have not. <laughs> I received a line message. Um, How, at what point did you receive this line message? About a day ago. <laughs> Uh, asking me, hey, do you want to come on this podcast and read uh, chapters 16, 17, and 18 of Elantris? It'll be really funny. <laughs> and then and then I said, sure, should I read chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15 of Elantris? And you said, nah, it'll be better if you just read chapters 16, 17, and 18 of Elantris. What we said was, if you have time... But we didn't. We I, didn't give you time. We <laughs> listen. It's their choice how to spend the twenty-four hours notice we gave them to be on this podcast. I, I, I just want to know. I've crunch read way more books than you than like the two hundred pages this is in way shorter time. Um, <laughs> I've read like five hundred page Star Trek books in a day before to get caught up. For, I'm very last minute. I'm bad at scheduling. M knows this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I would have, but then and then we, you know, I thought yeah, it'll probably be funnier if I just uh, just go in and do this. The, the thing that tipped me over the edge is I looked how far you were in because uh, I thought this had been going on for far longer, um, <laughs> and um, the chapters were just longer or something. But no, no, you're fairly early in. So if I do eventually read this fucking terrible book, uh, I can just go back to the beginning and do it that way. Because I do intend to like join you on the Cosmere journey one day. Um, we're both like just starting and also like 200 some pages in. It's ridiculous. <laughs> this I was book is like so nothing. <laughs> yeah, I imagine so. So, but I, I had read. Um, about three chapters uh about oh god a year you can go literally check when i tweeted if you want to search it's you know my uh, and uh the mental fortitude to read fantasy um because <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i think i have the mental fortitude to read fantasy and it's uh artef um or, uh, yeah, Dilef meeting rathrin and being like oh his accent's feudal and i'm like this is it i can't I'm too many made up words this and, and, I, and i wondered going into these chapters I wonder if, like, as the book becomes settled, uh, the made-up words, like, go down in frequency, because you already know the language, and you can just, like, Absolutely do character not. work. No. It's, if, <laughs> if anything, it has gone up in frequency. Um, <laughs> it's it, so much. It, like, I'm just glad that you're reading the up-to-date version, um, because we discovered last time that originally the adjective Jindo was originally Jindoese in the first printing. Which no. makes a lot of the uh, racist caricature even worse. <laughs> no, thank you, I say to thee. Um, it's already extremely racist. <laughs> so I like the idea of Brandon coming to this, reading it ten years later and going, oh, it's fucking racist. Uh, uh, and then deciding that all he can do is just, um, I'll make it just, uh, I, I've got to change, I've got to change this. Maybe it'll do something. Oh, oh. Control F. Control F. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so so I, I a year year or so ago thought 
everyone was reading the way of kings and i'm a start from the beginning person so i'm the last start from the beginning beginning and read the cosmic stuff properly um and everyone was like that's stupid why would you do it that way and i'm like look i'm ridiculous let me do it this way got about 40 pages into atlantis and i was like jesus christ I can't, I can't. it's <laughs> it's rough <laughs> <laughs> um, uh but um now that uh, I have this podcast, I might eventually, you know, take cross this bridge because I'm I'm told Mistborn is actually good and everyone loves Stormlight. Um, Mistborn yeah. is actually good. It's really amazing that one one year later he's going to put out a good novel <clears throat> after this. But um, normally we do a like, what books have you been reading segment? We didn't tell you about that at all. So if you don't have anything, that's fine. I'm halfway through the stand. Ah. Uh, because just man or machine (laughs) i mean i mean is there not one among your ranks (laughs) is there no one who values courage over life i mean let's oh jesus christ (laughs) Uh, what is happening right now lyrics okay (laughs) how do i still know the lyrics to the stand (laughs) man or machine Anyway, you were talking about The Stand, not uh, Man or Machine. I'm, yeah, I'm only halfway through, uh, because it's the, the longest book ever written. It's not, um, but it it's, goes on forever. I'm in the middle of the uh, book two. It's broken to three books. Uh, and um, it's, it's really long and bad at the moment. I really like the first first book so far, um, which was all the stuff with the like plague, uh, the famous stuff in the book, at least from the setup. Mm-hmm. Um, as it progresses, book two is a bit more about the established characters and their relationship, and less of the intercutted society falling stuff. And um, let me tell you, Stephen King in 1977 mm-hmm. or 79, where it was, uh, I forget exactly what year, it might be 79. I think Shining was 77, actually. Anyway, there was nobody to stop him doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> He could just write whatever he wanted, and usually what he wrote was, all right, there's a girl, and she just, like, needs to fuck you, but it's so annoying. Isn't it so annoying when girls just need to fuck you? And, and, and this, has all right, Claudio. Times. this has happened so many times in this book. Uh, there are three, uh, like, main point of view things. Um and uh, two of them are guys, and both of their last chapters have been about girls randomly meeting up with them and needing to fuck them and being kind of annoying uh, after the fact. Uh, that's Larry's <laughs> entire arc is that chapter repeated. Nick hasn't had that too much, but he did get it last chapter. Um, and then in the other chapter, in the other point of view uh, chapter, Franny has this from the other side where she has a man with her who just wants to fuck her, uh, but he's like a fat incel, so it's gross when he does it. Uh, mm. Because that's Stephen King's understanding of like um, morality. It's when, the, <laughs> when the cool guy does it, it's like a bit bad, but it's still pretty cool because he's, he's like a cool guy. Um, anyway, uh, also has introduced a like... I don't... I, I don't, now I'm you, you know when something in a book from the 70s is really offensive and you're like how do I describe it without being offensive yeah yeah I also read Salem's Lot <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, has introduced uh, a character with learning difficulties uh, so okay. you, can, you can imagine and uh, how that goes and what that goes is he's saying complete nonsense sometimes but sometimes <clears throat> he says things that maybe he can perceive the true nature of reality oh, um, shit shit yeah Damn. Oh, I, I guess you missed the um, 
the autistic caricature that appears in Elantris. Uh, that character I, didn't show up in these I uh, did. chapters. What? That sounds amazing. Thank you, Brandon. There's, <laughs> there's a character who is always mumbling to himself, doing like math problems in his head that nobody really gets, and it's gross. The thing that he does is like when somebody says a location or like a country, he just pipes in and says how many steps it takes to get there. It's great. It's good. That's what being autistic is. <laughs> Brandon understands me so well. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm mostly enjoying it. It's a bit of a slog at the moment. Um, I'll hopefully be finished by the time Just King Things puts out their stand episode next month. Um, but that's, that's what I'm reading at the moment. What are you reading, Autumn? Um, I read... I started a new book today or yesterday called The Raven Tower, which I don't have much to say about yet, but I accept that I like it. But between episodes, I finished um, Uprooted, which is, like, if you're reading Elantris and having a bad time, you should check out <laughs> Uprooted. It's just a very normal fantasy novel, like, pretty unremarkable, just like fairy tale shit, and it's very good. You cha- Your tone has changed on this book. I've got... The third act, it kind of loses its step in the third act. Um, this is the one with the girl and the wizard, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll explain <laughs> that in a on, second. Hang, I know what that means. Because you know, I've, I've also, uh, you know, keep, keep on more audience reading. Uh, but you can't say, this is the book with the girl and the wizard. I expect that. <laughs> I'll explain the girl and the wizard in a minute. I, I but, know, but yeah. But... <laughs> How okay. many books do you know that are about the girl and the wizard? A lot. Name one. A lot. Name one right now. Two five dollars. Name a wizard. <laughs> the wizard. Cause I'm a motherfucking wizard. <laughs> <The> wizard. <laughs> anyway, um, no, I think the book kind of like tries to go for a big actiony third act that doesn't really work, but it's fine. Um, but there is, uh, some shit in this book, which is, people might recall, because I had started this book last time, um, so, every ten years, there's a, there's a wizard who lives in a tower, and every ten years, he comes to the local villages, and he chooses one of the girls from the village who has to come live with him for ten years, and all the girls, uh, who he used to have will say, oh, he never touched me. It wasn't a sex thing. He just liked to have some company around the <laughs> tower. Oddly enough, that's the opener. <laughs> <clears throat> the book gets very defensive about this. <laughs> and um, so the protagonist of the book is a girl that he's chosen, and it turns out that she has some magical powers too. And so he starts training her in the ways of witchcraft. <clears throat> And, um, uh, at some, the other important thing here is that she's 18, um, and because of how wizards work <laughs> in this world, he's like 200, but she comes on to him, so it's okay. I just need and you to know you can't start with the important thing to remember is that she's 18. <laughs> the book is very defensive about this, because if you think about it, she's 18 and he's 200. He is her teacher, 
And also he owns her. But it's totally okay because she's the one that's hitting on him, not the other way around. <laughs> mm-hmm. He he tries to get her to stop, but he just can't resist her feminine wiles. And so there's... The other thing is that in the audiobook version, I checked, the, the sex scene near the end of the book is 25 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> it's... So, like, real-time narration. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's, and that's, there's a foreplay scene, and then they decide not to fuck, and then, that is also pretty gratuitous, but then the actual sex scene at the end of the book is intolerable. (laughs) It's... It seems like this author is just into older guys. I think the author is just into older guys. What this sounds like to me, and all the things you're saying, is that, like, the... (laughs) The part where this is clearly a like, uh, <clears throat> I assume a you know known genre author who who understands why this is fucked up is now getting a bit shy about the fact that she's <laughs> written an entire book to justify a fantasy about <laughs> you know right. being the only one for the wizard in this tower. Well, so like this this author I think has some other like five or seven book fantasy series. Uh, and then this is her new series after that one finished. Okay. And so now I'm really curious if, like, she got some pushback on some shit in the previous series, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I'm wondering, like, did people object to some of the fucky shit and she's getting defensive? Because she goes to great lengths to explain how it's okay. Because, oh, well, if you think about it, this 18-year-old girl, she's gonna be 200 someday. So what's the difference, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I would have more like you know because if, if okay if she just committed to this right it's like trying to uh-huh. cancel Twilight which is also <laughs> fucked up but in a way yeah. like, what you what are you gonna do is this this, this fucking like ladies fantasy what are you gonna do tell her oh it's bad for women <laughs> um, but in this world where she's like written out a, a list of reasons why it's okay actually it's become way funnier yeah. <laughs> And both both the girl and the wizard both explain to each other and the reader why actually it's okay. And they go through every possible objection that the reader could have and say, actually, it's fine because, you know, we didn't do this before, but now, like, she's been released from my control because she's an official witch or whatever, you know? So actually, that part settled. Dobby is a free elf. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, that book's really good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's it about? I okay. believe you. Okay. Okay, it's what's just it very funny. Out, uh, apart from the, the part where she's uh, fucking an old man wizard, um, <laughs> what, what's it about? <laughs> so, so kind of. <clears throat> I mean, it's pretty like straightforward fairy tale stuff because it's like she learns she has magical powers. And she knows she's going to learn magic and she's not supposed to leave the tower for 10 years, but she's just like a very like spunky and like rambunctious young girl. And she's going to do what she wants. She's going to do what she thinks is right. And so when she hears that there's trouble in her home village, she leaves the tower against the wizard's orders. And there is an evil forest. Um, and when you go into the forest, if you inhale, um, the forest jokerifies you. 
and you come back and you're a sicko and the forest over the last hundred years or so has been spreading and the wizard that she's hanging out with is like oh no we're just gonna like we can like slow the spread but the forest is gonna do the forest and she's like no we can stop the forest and like there's a little bit of political intrigue there's a little bit of like all this stuff the the big thing that i think this book is about i guess is being this like spunky young girl and she goes into this world where all the wizards have like magic down to a science they're like well you need to like apply this formula and you need to say the magic words in this specific way and this girl is like no 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 like the the magic is like a song and like sometimes you say the magic words this way but sometimes you have to do it like a little differently because the flow of the magic is and she's trying to make magic an art and that's kind of I think that's, like, one of the central conflicts of the book is, like, like how people want to make things more rigid. But also, sometimes you just want to fuck an old wizard and you... <laughs> um, yeah. I really... I thought I was going to have more and funnier content about the, the forest that jokerifies people. But I... That ends up being, like, what the entire book is about, so it feels like spoilers to say more than the forest turns you into a joker. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> like, like the first person we hear about it happening to, like, comes back to his home and just is, like, laughing as he, like, murders children and whatever, you know? Like, it's literally that. <laughs> I hate when I become the joker. I hate to do it. But, Nora, have you been reading anything, or...? Oh, your tweet. Uh, a formidable wielder of arcane magic. <laughs> the wizard. Foregoing <laughs> 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 oh, close combat in favor of powers more arcane and inscrutable, including <laughs> spectral blade. Improved spectral blade. <laughs> what? What is happening? I zoned out for two seconds. Well, you were tweeting, so I was like, well, I have to vamp, but what else can I vamp with but the motherfucking wizard? But the motherfucking wizard. Wizard. This is what you get for not listening to Idle Thumbs episodes from 2008. (laughs) This and, like, not hearing the R word every 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah, they really go hard on it in those first few. Oh, I had my own source for that back in the day. It's fine. I'm sure. Many sources. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I haven't read shit, dude. That's All fine. Right. That's fine. I- <laughs> Brandon time. <laughs> I committed to watching more anime, and that meant I watched like two episodes of anime. Mm-hmm. That's how it goes sometimes. One of which was I guess I watched three episodes I watched three episodes of anime, one of which was twice as long. Uh, and all three of them were the first episode of their series. So <laughs> I'm killing it out here. And also two of them were kind of the same thing. Mm. Because I watched Fate Stay Night Unlimited Blade Works, and then I watched Fate Stay Night, the 2006 anime. <laughs> but only the um, first episode of each. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Obviously. <laughs> Fate seems neat. I want to get into it. <laughs> and then I also watched the first episode of Nemesign, which is really cool. Yeah, that show seems rad. Yeah. Very gory, very sexual. Yeah. Um, very just Norcore stuff mm-hmm. as well. In, yeah. Um, Brandon time? Brandon time. Brandon time. 
Is there um, anything else, Brandon, we wanted to talk about? Oh, that, that novella came out. We should talk yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bra- Brandon's reading YouTube it. thumbnails. <laughs> Brandon's YouTube thumbnails are great. Brand- we just wanted to make it known that the new there for the first time since we started the podcast, new Brandon content is out. We're not touching it. We have discussed internally that we might do a Rhythm of War bonus episode. That would be a Patreon-exclusive thing. Um, where it's just like, we have <laughs> at least two guests lined up for it, if we do it, and it wouldn't be till, like, February, but I don't think we're gonna do a Dawn Shard thing, you know? But, specifically, we're generally not touching new stuff mm-hmm. until we get to it on our podcast. I will... I'm probably gonna keep reading Stormlight, just because I'm in it, and I I don't... Yeah want to stop reading it okay, but i'm I'll not gonna mistborn yeah i'm not gonna read new mistborn <clears throat> i'm not gonna read new mistborn i will read new mistborn you will read new stormlight this right. will keep us tethered yeah <laughs> <laughs> i gotta see if Coppermine has a word count up for the new novella so i can add it to my big spreadsheet of uh 11 years of podcast 11 years of ars arcanum podcasts um <laughs> i I have to go back to the YouTube thumbnails. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. They're exquisite. <laughs> I'm sending one to the fucking chat right now. Please um. do. <laughs> <laughs> we've got we got Brandon doing a thinking emoji, and it's Sander FAQ number five. Will I write more Wheel of Time books? So which if the I was Bra- is obviously <laughs> fucking no. <laughs> yeah, like, fuck no. I'm just going to post... In the export chat channel, these uh, Brandon <laughs> thumbnails. <laughs> Should you write a novel? Hey! <laughs> I feel like I should be watching more of these Brandon YouTube channels, but also, or YouTube videos, but also it's all just like writing advice, and there's nothing I want less than to like write, so. That's not necessary. I, I've watched. Um... Like a cup. I've watched the one where he talks about his favorite video games, and first of all, he it's uh, so good. He speaks like he's like reviewing a game on Games by two thousand and six, but like he does a little bit more like upbeat. So he's always like, when I play, first played Halo two, I was really blown away by the graphics. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it has a wild energy. Uh, and then he talks about how good uh, like Halo two is the good Halo, and I'm like, yeah, you right, Brandon, you right. Um, the, the the video game. <clears throat> the favorite video game thumbnail makes him look just so done with video games. Same, bro. He looks like he's being interviewed at E3 in this one. Oh wow, this is like looks like you know it's God. Jim Sterling's <laughs> having like the worst day ever. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Just makes me think that, like, when you look sad, you automatically look more British. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what that is, but it is a true, true fact of life. <laughs> oh, you found the my p- other fun one where he's doing like, a, hey, oh, forget about the, it. The other problem with searching for Brandon Sanderson and watching Brandon Sanderson on YouTube is that you get pulled into the algorithm uh-huh uh-huh uh, so here's this this one called 10 overdone fantasy tropes parentheses that literary agents are tired of seeing so if you want to if you want advice for pitching your book there's youtube for you 
Oh god, I... author advice, YouTube, <laughs> and also the industry of that in general is. Uh, I hate it in only a way that someone who's gone to fucking u- a university for creative writing twice can do. <laughs> it's all a scam. It's all a scam. If you're good at writing, it doesn't matter, uh, and if you're bad at writing, it's not going to fucking help. Like it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't make a difference. Uh, it's all unhelpful advice. The only good advice is just like you know, keep trying and try to be like brother-in-law with an agent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, my other favorite one is one that I think has gone around before, which is just a skull, and then it's got a little like thinking light bulb coming out of it, and it's how do I write someone smarter than I am? And it's fucking incredible because it's just—it's like the most source filmmaker skull you've ever seen. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> And it's it's also touching its chin. Yeah, it's also doing the thinking emoji. A lot of I, thinking emojis in these. I really recommend watching some of these videos on mute and just watching his hands. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the other Sander fact number two. When will there be movies or video games based on my books? I am always asking this. Oh, God. Um, can you imagine a video game based on like an address or something? I assume if it was going to be one, it would be based on Stormlight, right? But I don't know anything about that by design. I want to read it one day. If- I will say that, like, you could just make a Dishonored game that's a Mistborn game. Okay. You know? Yeah. Like, that is literally just one-to-one what that is. <laughs> um, it's even about, like, revolution. So, <laughs> you know. Should we <clears throat> should we summarize Elantris? Yeah, all of it? Okay, let's go. <laughs> no, Chapter one. No, scroll down Crown to 16. Of Arlon. Scroll down to 16. <laughs> Raiden reflects upon his relationship with Ian and observes to Galadon that his Sion, Sion's Aeon is damaged and incomplete. Galadon and Raiden discuss what they miss most in their former lives. Galadon's home and Raiden's correspondence with Sereni, respectively. Raiden talks of his engagement to Sereni, and this discussion leads to the revelation to Galadon of Fjordan's invasion of his home, Duladel, Duladel Republic, six months earlier. Shut up. (laughs) They just wrote it bad, I don't know. Galadon mourns over the loss of his Jeskar religion and belittles the Jeskari mysteries as a mockery of his faith. Raiden returns to the chapel and is amazed at how beautiful it is with all the grime removed by Kehar. Raiden asks Kehar to clean the streets and offers more Elantrians to assist him. Kehar forgets his hunger due to the distraction that keeping busy provides. Raiden and Galadon discuss the growing ranks of their group and plan how to feed them and keep them occupied. Many of Karada's followers, led by Dash, um, leave the chapel to attack Aandon's group due to reports that Aandon's followers are planning to attack the Elantrian children under Karada's protection. Raiden accompanies the assault squad and manages to convince both groups to stand down by confronting Aandon and showing him the beautiful sculptures beneath the dirt and grime and reminding him that he was once a great sculptor. (laughs) Raiden also speaks of the Elantrian freedom... Uh, Raiden also speaks of the Elantrians' freedom from base physical needs like food, clothing, and shelter, liberating them to focus on higher callings like art. Tayan, that's Aandin, his name outside, Tayan agrees and joins Raiden's group. Uh, if we could this- all get naked and live in the street, we could all just do the sickest art that's ever happened. <laughs> I, I get the food thing that we can live forever, but like we no longer need clothes or shelter. Like, bro, 
<laughs> but sometimes it rains, dog. Like you do need shelter. I I don't have time to get an umbrella. I'm busy practicing my martial arts. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Sorry to skip so, ahead. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. So I, <clears throat> we got like three short scenes in here. I want to talk about the fact that this summary skips over the very first thing in this chapter. What's the very first thing in this chapter? Where Raiden reflects on yeah house elves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is this this so, so, also, I've not read the chapters in between this, so I have no fucking idea what's going on. I'm kind of blind. Uh, mm-hmm. And from what I can gather so far, because uh, I thought it'd be funny to pick this up by context. Uh, so, Raynan comes into Elantra at the beginning of the book. I remember that. He wakes up and he's like, ah, shit. Um, I got the thing. And everyone's like, oh, he's got the thing. Throw him in the, th- throw him in mm-hmm. the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Within five minutes of being there, apparently, he was like, what if we didn't all live on the street and kill each other? And, <laughs> and, no and, one's had this idea in ten years. And apparently, the, he has invented from Holcroft the entire concept of collective action and organizing into groups, despite the fact that the Elantris already has gangs, which means that they already have this, but just for, like, the crude, shitty version, not for doing things better, they must put down their weapons. Only he's thought about it doing this for without... Uh, weapons but <laughs> that makes no sense because what are the gangs fighting for like the gangs don't fight for violence they fight for like control of pa- it's uh, all the no. power is ex- the- ah! i read too much materialism <laughs> when- and now my brain's broken <laughs> when somebody gets put into a launchers they're given a ritual burial which inc- includes like some bread and some bread as like a funeral offering and since everyone it never stops being hungry because the their immortality is that like anything that happens to you stays happening so if you break your toe it's broken forever yes at least that the pain is and so everyone's always hungry so everyone whichever direction the new person steps in when they enter the city that determines which gang gets to run up and steal their food. But, okay, so are they hungry because they are dead and <clears throat> thus can't feel anymore? Or are they hungry because they don't have any food? Both. No, but, like, if they ate food, would they be less hungry? They would for be, a little bit. but not for very long. And nobody's thought of fucking making a garden before. No one. No, because I Not one person in and ten he, years. And initially I thought it was like, oh... The hunger is, like, inherent to the Elantrian condition, and this is just, like, you know, they have to live with eternal pain or whatever because this is an incredibly edgelord premise for a book. Um, Mm -hmm. But, no, you can actually ease the pain somewhat if you make a garden and nobody's thought of this. Well, everyone would be so hungry that they'll just eat all the sprouts as soon as they come up. Obviously. But but why, why doesn't that happen to Raiden, then? Uh, we don't know, because we don't actually get to see into Raiden's head. <laughs> we had that one glimpse last time where he, like, very briefly admits to himself that he's, like, struggling under the burdens of leadership. Uh, but he has to maintain, like, a like a, a good face for everyone else to like, lead them. If you want to say the idea that, like, because uh, of the city of the outsides has abandoned Elantris so thoroughly, uh, everyone is so uh, deprived of, like, material needs that they can't form these collective bonds, that is an argument that you can make, and I can accept that in a book. What you can't do is then say, and then a king showed up and... <laughs> Taught them all what leadership was and grew plants for them. That's a bit <laughs> sus. Brandon sus. <laughs> He's a prince. 
he's a prince, it's, whatever. But he's he's a prince that also, like, you have missed many chapters of everybody who used to know Raiden before he became an Elantrian, just like sucking him off, just like Raiden was like, I can't so get hot cool and. Sp- <laughs> <laughs> Raiden was so cool and smart and witty and funny. And he but, would have been such a good king because he cared about the peasants. Yes. And nobody ever thought to care about the peasants other than Raiden. And Serini, who says, him, slavery seems sus. Yeah. <laughs> but also, <laughs> he's like going, oh, I, I, I want the letters from Serini so much. She was so smart and I respect her brain so much. And as we'll see next chapter, that makes him unique among men. <laughs> <laughs> But this chapter does later. It's like, oh, he's he's so he he's so pure and powerful, uh, a like cool guy uh, prince dude that <laughs> that he wants to fuck this girl purely off her letters, and that's presented entirely positively. They also have the the seons, uh, which turn into like they do a Skype call where it turns into a glowing version of the other person's head. So mm-hmm. that you can talk to them, and presumably that's like he—he he says that they had hours-long connections. Yeah, he said that like, they would have like a four-hour phone call, but also they've never met, which I would just argue about what his definition of meeting people is. <laughs> well, he's only ever—he's only read, ever seen her head. I read the uh, f- first Serenity chapter, you know, a year ago, and my memory of it is she's like she's never met him, and this is all a political arrangement, but she's gonna like. Uh, take that political chance because she has to prevent war and she knows what that means and blah 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 is such a cool strong like a <laughs> man in his 20s and 2005's <laughs> vision of a strong female protagonist and oh, she's yeah. going to do this uh at no point do i recall her actually talking about also we've talked for uh five hours every night on skype <laughs> um, yeah so that's I not mentioned until chapter five <laughs> god damn it brandon <laughs> Um, we, speaking of the Skype calls, so they do the Skype calls on the Seons, which have been just a constant, like, we're wondering what these things, what's going on with these things, and this chapter starts with a little flashback of, like, Raiden, like, oh, when I was young and dumb, I really wanted to free the Seons, but then the Seons told me that they love being slaves, and that they don't need money because they prefer to just be slaves, what the fuck, Brandon? <laughs> and this is I guess presented it's... as like a genuine realization. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Which, much like the stupid house elf shit, is like, I see the basic metaphor there of like, I mean, in the house elf, even even worse. But like, the I guess most charitable intent is uh, this guy is uh, like trying to do this very paternal version of helping people, but instead can't understand the, the like truth of their culture. Problem is, all these cultures are made up, and what you did was made up a culture <laughs> that, <laughs> that just loves being slaves. your slave. <laughs> I guess, like. I guess it's supposed to be that they're so different because they're like immortal floating orbs of light that it's like, oh, well, maybe they don't have the same priorities or like ways of thinking as humans because they're not human. They're splinters. They're sp- you can't say that I word. I can't say splinters. <laughs> but they're why can't you say they that are? <clears throat> that's Cosmere shit. That's like big Cosmere. That's not like big big Cosmere shit, but like splinters are like a thing. All right. Um. It's not. It's not a thing that's in the book. It's it's a thing from like 
fan discussion and Brandon answering questions. Yeah. Um, oh my god. <laughs> How deep does it go? But the thing that he does is when he signs a book, you can ask him one any one question about the books or the mechanics or the magic or anything. <laughs> I ask him to come on my podcast and talk about Final Fantasy X. <laughs> Brandon, anyway. if you're out there. Brandon, if you're listening to this, please come talk to us about Final Fantasy X. Sions are magic. Mm-hmm. They are as close to spirits as I guess Brandon writes. Yeah. So I guess you could argue that they are have a completely different perception of these concepts. But they do do everything the guy tells them to. Do they get we hungry? No. Okay, so they are also like immortally separate mm-hmm. from because this book has a vision of like the need for wealth as like entirely powered by base human desires and without that we would be free like this book's vision is like if we could give everyone soylence <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we could end war uh is what yeah, i got from, from these chapters as like yeah uh, all of human conflict uh actually comes from our like nature as rotting bags of meat and if we could surpass that and become brains uh we will win in a jar (laughs) (laughs) but that's like um uh Raylan's argument in this chapter is like the when we have wars like war the wars are fought for countries but the countries fight for money and the money is used to buy food so without the food we wouldn't have wars anymore and i you know turn into the lady from fargo and i'm like i'm not quite sure about your police network there Raylan. But that is at least honestly the the viewpoint put forward in chapter sixteen. Yeah, no, we we did like a whole like thirty minutes on like the agricultural setup of Elantris, <laughs> which does not make any fucking does sense. does not make any fucking sense. But like they didn't have crops until ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, we can't do it again. But like you have absolutely hooked on to like the same things that we have hooked on to in this book because. <laughs> Brandon, you need to understand materialism at all. I'm told Please. that he like reads a book of materialism and then like goes kind of too yes. far for Mistborn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, extremely that. Uh-huh. So the thing is, is that the two things that make things happen in, in Elantris are either hunger or religion. Yes. That's it. But religion's yes. kind of fake, but also not. So don't worry, I will get into that in about two chapters. <laughs> speaking, speaking of... um. There's not much to say about the conversation where Galadon finds out that uh, his country has fallen. Oh, no, there is something to say. Yeah. <laughs> we got to choose our own leaders. Who would revolt against that? So, so Raiden says, um, the, the Duladel Republic fell and was replaced with a monarchy. And Galadon says, but we all believed in the Republic. For democracy. <laughs> Our allegiance was to the Republic. <laughs> so this is how liberty dies. With thunderous applause. <laughs> it's it's just a dumb thing that happens. I don't have much to say Not about it. Not in darkness! <laughs> <laughs> how can you say we got to choose our leaders and also say the Republican class was exterminated? Also, what makes somebody of rep- of the Republican class? We talked about this on the last one, and it's probably like how Rome was set up, where there is a class of people who gets to vote on things. So, 
Do you get to vote on who gets to be able to vote on things? I don't know. It That's a great question. It's meant to be characterization of Galdon as like, oh, look at him. He's actually like a noble guy. And I mean noble in like the, you know, uh, class mm-hmm. sense, not not a uh, character. Um, of like, oh, he thought that a, re- republic, a re- Roman Republic equaled something resembling real representation. And we see this. But I assume not because Raiden like presented as royalty. Mm-hmm. He's nice to the peasants, right? Like it, those two things next to each other are really weird. Yeah. Um, Galanon in a previous chapter is like, I was just a farmer. Wink. And so I assume <laughs> there's there's more to his backstory, and I'm kind of thinking that maybe he was like of this Republican class, quote unquote. But like we don't know quite where that's going yet. You think in about 500 pages, uh, he's going to end up being uh, King Raid and Avalantris's ambassador to uh, the Dildar Republic because he goes to liberate it from whatever. Oh, 100 percent, 100 percent. Oh, I don't think we're leaving Kai. Well, that, I don't that, think we're. That's that's uh, maybe too far for like um, <laughs> how much plot movement takes place in one chapter <laughs> and how many chapters are on his book. But we also get this great line: um, "What happened to Jesker? My religion? What happened to it? What the fuck do you mean?" <laughs> and then and then uh, Rayden replying: "Shudirith is the state religion in Duladel now. I'm sorry." Galadon's eyes fell. It's gone then. It's like, this was six I, months ago, right? <laughs> six months ago. Six months ago? Yeah. You remember when uh, the Church of England was, um, you know, uh, established, and then Catholicism died within six months. <laughs> <laughs> but also earlier, like last time we recorded, we talked about the fact that, like, in Jindo, people give lip service to Shudareth and actually still practice uh, uh, I have no idea the 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 core like the root of that branch of the religion mm-hmm. um and they still have their religion even though they tell uh Wyrn that they are Shudareth all the way yeah like yeah and like does Brandon just not know what Tibet is <laughs> <laughs> I would absolutely believe that Brandon doesn't know what Tibet is. I don't think Brandon knows what Tibet is. At, at least at this point in his career. <laughs> I don't know. Has he has he left? Has he done his mission work yet? Or is that... I assume he's done his mission work oh, at this right. point. Oh, right. He did his mission. Ah, Brandon! <laughs> I, I always forget We Brandon's, talked about this last yeah. time, but he did his mission work in South Korea, right? Or... I, th- I don't remember. We talked about this last time. Anyway... Uh, we also get this line about, um, well, there are still the just scary mysteries in Galadon being, they're not the same. They're a mockery. South Korea, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, keep, to keep things moving, um, so then the next thing in this is the, uh, we find out that there are all these beautiful sculptures that are, uh, uh, encased in slime on the walls because nobody's cleaned Elantris in 10 years. Um, but also, they made a point multiple times to say that the city shouldn't look this bad in only 10 years. Yeah. I don't know what that's all about. There's, There's way we- more slime than there should be. <laughs> There's weird slime on everything, um, but we're going to start cleaning it and showing off the sculptures, which leads to, like, there's going to be, like, a gang war, 
and the most absurd thing I've ever read in a book. To be clear, specifically because one guy wants to kill the children? Yeah, one guy, for no particular reason, is like, fuck them kids. (laughs) (laughs) We're actually skipping over a slight bit. Okay, okay. Yeah, stop me. The guy who was cleaning the church is like... You have uh, my hunger don't doesn't impact me anymore because I have you know found the the meaning of life and the meaning of worth is cleaning shit off this wall, <laughs> which which li- I guess uh, forms some kind of like uh, coherent value system with all the slavery shit at the start of the chapter of oh no this book just genuinely believes that if we get rid of money we can all find meaning in just like incredibly menial jobs like we will work for the love of it and by and i don't mean like we'll do art for the love of it i mean we'll clean (laughs) clean grime of the cathedral and it will fill us with spiritual peace (laughs) so much spiritual peace that we will stop experiencing hunger He is. This is the most I've just returned from my mission book that anyone has ever written. <laughs> um. But yeah, so this guy decides to go kill children for no reason, and another guy is gonna rush in to get him. One of one of Raiden's guys is gonna rush in to go get him first. And he's walking into a very obvious trap that only Raiden can see. <clears throat> and Raiden gets in the middle of the fighting and is like, I knew you outside, and I know that you're a sculptor, and look at these beautiful sculptures. And that guy starts crying because he remembers what sculptures are, and is like, this fucking guy, we should make him king. And so they do. He uses the beauty of art which is more potent than any sword. <laughs> He's completed the clean grime off shit subquest and so has the hidden option to say, you're a sculpture. <laughs> and then, um, you know, <laughs> it, it really plays like he just like disarms this guy with passing a speech because he's like ready to like literally murder children. And by murder, we don't just mean kill children. We mean uh, possibly condemned to eternal existence as the very nature of pain itself to children. Yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, we don't know what it means to like, you know, burn someone in Atlantis, right? Because the pain stays on with any other physical wound. Uh, all that happens when you burn someone is you remove the body and uh, any like ability to perceive them. So maybe the pain lives on. Who can maybe. say? Maybe. Ooh, then that be fucked up. Edge, edge, like Dutch, <laughs> Dutch. Um, and then he says, I, "You did some sculptors, sculptures." And then he like immediately collapses to the ground. Like, what have I done? <laughs> the thing that you have missed is the fact that there is a nursery with two rooms one where all the kids are playing and one where all the kids are crying <laughs> because the kids like one is day you know or some shit? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, the, the last rated chapter we had is like yeah sometimes the kids just like they'll like fall over they'll like trip and like one bump too their, many times they'll, they'll bump their funny bone and then we just have to put them into the crying forever room because then the kids just start crying forever <laughs> but children are so resilient they'll just get right back up but uh-huh. then one too many times and it's it's to the sad room but this this is one of the mm. worst lines i've ever read in a book which is um so this guy tan 
was going by the name Andon. So Tan said, sighing, Andon was a fool, and so was anyone who followed him. Listen to this man. There is more royalty in his argument than there ever was in my pretend court. (laughs) Elantris, hire this man. (laughs) There was more royalty in his argument. I can't believe that guy just argued me out of killing those children. And of being a baron. Thank you, king. (laughs) I'm joining his gang now. (laughs) This is the most over-explaining what is happening in the line bit of dialogue. (laughs) This makes twice now that Rayadin has met one of the gang leaders of the three gangs and had like a conversation with them that ended with them saying I will join your gang but, but, we, and we haven't met the third gang guy yet so I assume that's what the next one is right? Like, but not just I will join your gang but like I will join your gang because your philosophy means this and this is good <laughs> literally Mark Hamill going but we can't turn back fear is the greatest of <laughs> But I think that'll do us for the Rayadid chapter. <laughs> chapter 17. Uh, this is a, a Serene chapter, which I thought was Serene because it's spelled Serene. But apparently yeah, you would think it's that. Serene, which is a stupid name. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> all right. I'm going to do my best with all these uh, made up words. Uh, don't correct me till I've finished the whole thing. And then Absolutely we can see, not. See where we go. All right. Uh, Serini begins to teach fencing to Queen Eshin's embroidery group. Serini Serini duels with Lord Eondal, who is very skilled, but allows Serini to win as a gracious gesture. Uh, Not really what happens, but uh, sure. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Lord Shudan performs a Keishan exercise, which impresses the group that he claims only to be an amateur. Uh, Serini goes to a Karathi chapel to learn more from Father Omen about what a widow's trial entails. They (laughs) talk... They talk about the Elantrians and how Harathan, uh, Harathan, yes, Harathan, uh, may, uh, Harathan ah! may be intentionally preaching hatred of them for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to take the world's greatest detective to figure out that reason, apparently. Uh, Serena learns of her inheritance of Raiden's estate. It's chapter 17. She didn't realize that she gets the estate of her husband who she is legally married to until chapter 17. She's supposed to be smarter than everyone else here. Anyway, Ash tells Serini of Hraithan's frequent patrols to the Elantrian city wall, and Serini ponders how to thwart the Gion's unknown intentions. Uh, Serini contacts her father, Evento. <laughs> it's me, Eventio. <laughs> <laughs> To me, <laughs> to me. Ah, I'm gonna win. Ah, not really. <laughs> and they discuss how grim affairs are. Uh, uh, they discuss how grim affairs are becoming in both Tiod and Arle- and Arleon. Uh, but uh, Serene refuses to return to Tiod uh, so that she can serve a useful purpose. Um, and because none of the boys there want to fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> Aventio <laughs> states that if Arlian falls, that he would surrender to the Fjordan rather than be conquered. Aventio reveals that Eden's merchant ships are being sunk at the behest of the Wern. Um, a win. Wern, win. Were. Reducing his net worth and threatening his grip on the throne. Serini realizes this would make it easier to replace the king and reluctantly decides to side in opposition to Harathan. After their composition. After their conversation, Serene feels anxious as has a, and has a hard time falling asleep and is awake to hear some odd noises coming from the walls around her chambers. What could that mean? Is she being spied on? 
Dun, dun, dun. Well, I'm sure we'll know next chapter. <laughs> um, so this was a lot. This is a lot. <laughs> Where do we want to start with this? <laughs> Serini begins to teach fencing to Queen Eshin's embroidery group. <laughs> These basic women do not understand that we have to all fight. And in my culture, we fight and you are doing knitting or whatever. And I'm going to teach you fencing. And some of these dumb girls are on their phones. <laughs> and they, won't li- <laughs> they won't listen to me. Uh, they just sew and gossip. That's all they do. Women be shopping. <laughs> and when, when fucking like... <laughs> yes. Who's a hot guy? What fucking char? What? What's his name? What's his name? Shuden. No, no. I, well, yeah, Shuden. I've been try- picturing Shuden as Oscar when, Isaac. When fucking Oscar Isaac starts doing sexy Tai Chi in the corner, they're like, "Oh, oh, hello, oh my God." <laughs> so, I, I'm fairly sure that uh, Shuden uh, being uh, is meant to be like the this universe's version of Asian, right? Like, I can't tell exactly. Yeah. What the, yes. Um, which is uh. True, but I, I, uh, this, <laughs> this specific chapter played a little differently, uh, because of the weird, uh, uh, like martial exercise thing. It, it played to me as if Worf had walked in and started, <laughs> <laughs> and started doing his weird Klingon calisthenics at the back of the room, and everyone was like, "Holy shit, Worf's doing his Klingon calisthenics! That's so hot!" And so it basically became the funniest thing in the world. And, and I say that there, and, and I'm like, he's not, he's. This guy is coded as like Asian and not black, so it's like a slightly different coding as the stuff in um, a TNG. And I say that so no, I'm not like conflating those two. But the the description of I'm doing my warrior uh, warrior dances <laughs> was too <laughs> specific to that, but I could not laugh. <laughs> it's so dumb. I and also afterwards, Serena is like, well, I'll never get all those those girls to pay attention now. They saw a hot just be... guy. <laughs> yeah, they saw one hot guy do a cool dance <laughs> with but, his hands. But also their, like, hotness... So, you have to tell me how the shooting stuff's played in the rest of the book. Because here, it plays as, like, a really uncomfortable, uh, oh, look, we, we look, it's a hot foreign guy. He's hot and foreign. Oh, not, it's, a, it's not that. Like, not like the guys here who are all proper. Uh, this guy's wild. <laughs> Uh, it's not that. Okay. It's like well, it's the last scene like that when we... they see him doing his war stretches. <laughs> <clears throat> like in the last scene that Shuden was in, he was like the youngest noble at the gathering, and he was also like the quietest, and he had the wise words to like sway people to Serini's side. <clears throat> yeah, this is the thing: is that um, Jindo people are always talked about in the book as like. The most wise, most patient, most, um, you know, like, Shudin always has the right proverb for the occasion, you know? <laughs> I don't remember why I started thinking about Oscar Isaac when reading about uh, Shudin. I could have just been thinking about Oscar Isaac, but... Um... This is what I have to say about the... <laughs> everyone being the most... Oh, they've always got the right proverb on hands. What was that noise? <laughs> that was my red alert. <laughs> that was my red alert alarm. <laughs> oh, okay. Naturally. I thought your house was on fire. <laughs> I, I was like, I gotta get this up quickly so it's funny, but I missed the window. <laughs> <laughs> um, up, but I'd already clicked play and it was burning. <laughs> and I was like, um, I'm stuck now. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, but the thing that Brandon has done earlier is like, oh, the, but the Jindo, like their eating implements are so weird oh! and foreign, and as actually describing like a knife and fork. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's reversed it. Yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, I see what, oh, it, very clever. Culture is all made up. You're right, Brandon. <laughs> um, Did you know that some people live different lives? Should should we also talk about her fight with Eondo? Uh Sure. It's, yeah, sure. It's just very funny because he's so loyal to his country that he wouldn't dare beat the queen in a fencing match. It's just funny. Sorry, is this the first action scene we've had in the book? This might be the first action it's scene. It's the first fight. I think we had some chases in Elantris, but we didn't have any fights. This is the first fight scene in the book. It's barely described. Yeah. It's that shit was so cool. We were throwing chairs. We were jumping on tables. Like everybody, it was so cool. The same way that he describes preaching in the last. Yeah, it is. Where it's just like, yeah. And then Diloph just, you know, he said those really passionate words. They were very passionate. The words (laughs) (laughs) that we will not be reproducing here in the text. Yeah, (laughs) but believe me, it was very cool. Um, but Eondel is such a good guy. What a what a good knight. Yeah, I I like the scene because I do I do appreciate the idea of this this uh this guy um you know conceding this fight because it makes it makes uh Serena look very dumb in that <laughs> uh Eondel understands politics enough to know that well I can't just like beat up our own queen in the middle of <laughs> this like royal court as a. T- like al- allied but still tense, you know, queen is sitting next to us. You idiot! Stop! Ha- we ha- have to have this fight while no one's watching, so I can beat you up. Um. <laughs> but also, this is the guy who Rayadin is like, oh, Eandel's men are just the best. Like oh, Eandel is such a good soldier. He's so loyal. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, he's just the coolest guy. I'm going to edit in that bass-boosted MGS3 song here. No, you're not. <laughs> this is a serious criticism podcast. Um, ba ba ba. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, without that context, I mean, that seems a bit like too much. But I did, I did like uh, Elon Dell's characterization here as like the guy who's actually thinking about the yeah. like, material consequences of politics. As Serena is being like, I have to teach everyone to fight, and by that I mean I'm going to fight the best fighter in our kingdom randomly. <laughs> Uh, it's, it seems like the rest of the book's laying it on thick, but compared to what else is around in these chapters, I'll take it. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, this was this was a fun scene. I was thinking of just Ironwood. Mm, Ian Dahl, yeah. I was just picturing Ironwood. That's yeah. a character from Ruby, Jackson. You'll find out when you watch more Ruby. Yeah, okay. a lot more Ruby. <laughs> well, no, it's in it's he shows up in season two. Okay, yeah, I think I think you're right. If not season two, then season three. <clears throat> anyway, anyway. It's... Uh, so she goes to church and realizes she has money. I love to go to church and realize I have money. <laughs> she puts the last of her money that she brought with her from her home country into the offering box, not realizing that she's a princess. Still, she... <laughs> she's a she's a double princess. She just didn't think about it for even two seconds ever. 
I was shocked reading this. As someone who has skipped the rest of the chapters, the idea that like her position as now a royal in two uh like seat like two nations and thus has access to both power and estates ne- never even came up once until now. Until now. It's- <laughs> well, and also like <laughs> well, she was too busy getting sick dunks in on uh, Hraithan while he was preaching. It's like the third time it's happened, too. Because, like, <clears throat> she went to that party and, like, everybody was, like, being nice to her. And she's like, why is everybody being nice to me? And, like, someone had to point out, because you're the queen, stupid. <laughs> 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 and, like, she went to that, she went to something else and somebody was like, hey, don't forget you're the queen. When you argue with people, they have to listen to you. <laughs> Because you're the queen. <laughs> also, you're like the the queen slash princess of two countries. That's what Shudin had to say at that council meeting. He was like, "Let's remember that she's yeah, because everybody she's else going to be room. our queen." Yeah, everybody else in the room also forgot that she was the queen. <clears throat> you know, but Shudin is smart, <laughs> very he wise. <laughs> and then, like slightly later than this, in this chapter. Has a bit where she's like, nobody wanted to marry me because I was too smart and I wasn't hot like other girls. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what you were? You were going to be the queen. (laughs) (laughs) But now she's not going to be because her brother has uh, children or whatever. So now she's not in line. So that means... Oh, that means no one would ever think to marry a slightly not in line person (laughs) towards the throne. No, there's no proximity to power there. (laughs) <laughs> completely unbelievable which is like oh they would make fun of a man if he married me because I'm so smart <laughs> and I'm like what 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 <laughs> you love me father no parent wants to admit that his daughter is unattractive the truth of the matter is no man wants an intelligent wife that isn't true your mother is brilliant <laughs> And You're an exception, be... father, which is why even you can't see it. A strong woman is not an asset in this world. Not even a teod, which I always claim is so much more advanced than the continent. This is so, <laughs> it is so cowardly, too, because he never, like, describes her as being, like, you know, ugly <laughs> in any way. It, no, he ca- not even once. Because he'd be like, oh, that'd be rude. If I, as a, as a man, described, like, impugned her attractiveness, that'd be me being rude. But you're like, you're trying to write a book about this woman who is, like, being like slighted by society you have to actually commit to that like mm-hmm. you know you could just you could theoretically write a book about a fat person we exist brandon um and like <laughs> but no she's just tall she's tall that's the only ungainly trait she has given in these descriptions i don't know if it's been better in the other stuff but it's i like, don't I don't know if you noticed, Jackson, there was a fat character in this chapter. She's described when her double chin jibbles yes, weirdly. Yes, because she she's one of the, the women that be on their phone at the start. Their metaphorical mm-hmm. uh, medieval phone. <laughs> in, the, in the last chapter, her and her mom were in the sewing circle, and every time it was like, but well, I just I could, was, couldn't believe how smart she was for how fat she was, you know, and shit like that. It was just like the most... It was, no, it was, it was their daughter i couldn't believe how hot the daughter was considering both her parents were fat as shit <laughs> yeah it, <laughs> it's, it was yeah it's a lot it's a lot Come it's on. a lot <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't he, the the thing is that also has not come up yet um he hasn't accidentally made her gay either which is no. the thing that he does do with a lot of his characters yeah every time he has this like 
spunky young woman character, he accidentally writes her super gay, and that would at least be enjoyable. <laughs> but um, he doesn't even do that in this one. Yeah. She has no... The thing that we've mentioned, or at least I've mentioned, uh, is that everything feels like it started when the book started. Like, none of the characters feel like they've existed since prior to the book starting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Um, I fucking completely lost my train of thought. Well, but it it ties into like you go, Jackson. You go. The the book's really bad at like at least in these chapters, like getting into people's heads and explaining their thought process. Except when I want to have like a weird flashback and talk about the white slavery. (laughs) (laughs) And we except in next chapter where it's kind of better about that with Hrathen, but only because uh, he is a Death Note character. So, Raiden thinks he's Lelouch. Oh, shit! He is! He's Lelouch! He's evil Lelouch! Is Lelouch already evil? I don't know. Sound off in the comments. <laughs> Let's have a conversation about the ethics of Code Geass in the if you have If you have thoughts about the ethics of Code Geass, quote tweet the podcast <laughs> and post them. <laughs> <clears throat> Anyway, um, in chapter 17, the uh, stuff was, in the widow's uh, trial. Oh, yeah, you go. Yeah. I was just talking about how we don't see into characters' heads at all. And, like, in that way, like, Serini doesn't have ideology until now. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have feelings or opinions about things. Yeah. Because she existed. She sprung into... There was, like... She started existing 17 chapters ago. Right. She doesn't have, like, a context for anything. Mm-hmm. She doesn't care about her religion except that it's her religion. Yes. And it's the truth. Anyway, getting ahead of myself <laughs> slightly. <laughs> um, do, do we have stuff to say about the Widow's Trial? I We should explain it for, you know, anybody who might not be reading. But, like, basically, the Widow's Trial, which people wouldn't... People didn't want to explain the widow's trial to her because it was of Elantris, and so it's kind of like a taboo to talk about. It's not, like, forbidden. It's just that nobody likes to talk about Elantris stuff, but... um, So, basically, she just has to do, like, some good charity, like, charitable works for the city or the country, um, and that will be, like... To show how much she loved... Um, the, the more you loved your husband, the bigger your trial will be yes the the better charity you will do i don't have much to say about it this guy she's talking to the whole time is a weirdo he, he just keeps spacing out i, I just kept picturing the the dungeon master from the D cartoon okay the little guy in the red robe i don't know him <laughs> but yeah i don't have much to say about the widow's trial itself i guess maybe i probably will once it happens but um yeah, yeah, this is absolutely... I'll try to, like, put this guy into the episode art, because this is absolutely the guy. Here, send this to Jackson. I'll post it in the export channel. <clears throat> <laughs> you have to stop posting things in the export channel. No one's going to remember this when the episode goes out. Also, no, it's, this... in, it's in my Discord. It's in the abnormal mapping Discord. <laughs> I thought I needed to sneeze. 
I'm not posting it for the listeners. I'm posting it for the people who happen to tab over to export chat and just see out of context three images of Brandon Sanderson followed by a picture of the dungeon master from D- Dungeons and Dragons, the cartoon. You're lucky it's not for friends. anyone's benefit. <laughs> My Discord! Uh, Stop looking at statues of the Dungeons and Dragons character and talk about Elantris. Well, okay, let's get on with the rest of the chapter. The the stuff with yeah. um uh the, the the guy is weird. She goes she leaves that and then she goes to talk to her dad. Uh, all that stuff with mm-hmm. no one no one wants to marry me, Dad. And he's like, What do you mean? You're beautiful. And she's like, Shut up, I'm too smart. And she's like, Oh, I guess that's true. Or but you're better than them, babe. <laughs> um, also, he's just been oblivious to this for 20-some years? No, he says he knew. He knew. Okay, okay. I just missed that part, I guess. He does admit He says, like, I had wondered why no one wanted to tap that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then she's so... She's tall and too smart. It's <laughs> It's like, go to the job interview. What's your greatest weakness? She's like, I'm tall and too smart. I, <laughs> tall and too smart. And, and I'm too powerful. And that's why uh, no one wants to marry me. And everyone agrees and nods at me. <laughs> the problem with that is that it can't even be a self-insert because it's Brandon. Mm-hmm. Which could be, but like, it's not. Um, the other thing here is, um... No, no, sorry. The self-insert is absolutely Rayodin, who's been reading oh, this yeah. lady's letters and being like, I <clears> want to <throat> fuck her from her words. N- that- no, I I think Craythan. I think Craythan. you think Craythan? I really do. Okay. You think this is okay. him writing about how re- religion's evil and kind of working mm- through it? No, I think it's a little bit of working through, like, oh, I'm complicit in something that might be a little bit suspect. Mm-hmm. How what? do I feel about that, and how do I navigate that? When I say religion's but... evil, I mean the Horathan thing is like uh, he sees, he still believes, right? But he sees religion as an artifice, and thus as like a means of power controlling people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that's the stuff being worked through in Horathan's chapters. Maybe they're all self inserts. Maybe. I mean, that's a secret. That's the true of every author's goal. <laughs> <laughs> Every, not authors don't have that good na- uh, an imagination <laughs> um the uh, the other thing other than the like intelligence stuff in um this phone call is the dad saying that like oh well if Erlon falls uh, Teo's just gonna surrender cause we're fucked um <laughs> and, and just these incredible lines like this um you know um her dad says, I found a reason to become very religious lately. A wise choice, father. If Domai were ever going to help us, it would be now. Um, the end of Teod means the end of Shukorath. For a time, perhaps, her father said, truth can never be defeated, Serini, even if people do forget about it occasionally. Truth starts to become like a proper noun in these chapters that is like in this chapter that is thrown around in, like, this religious way that Shukorath is the truth. I don't know what that fucking means. I wish Brandon would explain the theology at all. <laughs> the way, the truth, and the light? Is that a Star it's Wars a, reference? It's, it's a Christianity reference. Could <laughs> 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 I just, like, just uh, frame that, that interaction? <laughs> 
a song. Read, I did not read that in this chapter as like indicative of the can- canonicity of Shikora. Because it's like, you know, it's uh, Aventia saying it. So I assumed it was just, oh, he believes very strongly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't, Maybe I read it too much into it. You know, I mean, oh. I don't know. Who knows? We still don't know why they kicked all of the Shudareth priests out of Teod. Yes. Like so violently and suddenly. Yes. That's just a thing that's been mentioned is that there are no Derethi priests in that country anymore. No, wait, there are, because there's one that leaves, right? There's just, there aren't any Gjorns? I don't remember. I don't remember. (laughs) Sorry, there's just... He gives a story about uh, the ambassador is like, fuck this, I'm out! Oh, the ambassador. The ambassador leaves, and then they keep sending spies in, but they die too quickly, and then she's like, so when you send a spy, you're you're condemning them to death, and he's like, yes, but I must do it. For heavy as the, the head that wears the crown, and she's like, "Oh, the burden of leadership." And I'm like, Eventio's like, "The ambassador was a Jedi Knight, I believe." <laughs> Is that a Christianity reference? And then I'm basically reacting to all this, like. Damn, why is half the book of the plot of this book happening somewhere other than here, but all of the point of view characters are in the same city? What's up with that? Surely if this is like a global war with multiple fronts and conspiracies, you could move the characters around. Um, yeah, that's a lesson that Brandon learns for Stormlight, which mm-hmm. is a story spanning like six countries and 12 POV characters. Yeah. I'm just. I, I, you say that, and I'm like, oh, I gotta read Stormlight. Gotta read Stormlight. <laughs> it's good. You would love Stormlight. That's the thing. I don't. I don't mean to be this person, but also that's just. I, mean, I know what you me. like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was. I was. Such, I was having a conversation the other week, uh, talking to M about movies to do for Raptor screens, and I listed a couple, and I was like, wait, all of these movies are just the same. They're all like, uh, you know, kind of realist stories about war and politics that are sad. <laughs> <laughs> and and, uh, and was like you have you no longer are allowed to make any movies. <laughs> you have to watch a normal movie about a relationship for once. <laughs> and uh, Stormlight seems like the fancy version uh, of of that, just like an extreme one of those. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. But they, I was going to say he kind of sections off like the sadness is over here, but I guess every character has no. That. Every character has depression. <laughs> yeah. But some characters you have can, capital I D have depression. seen a lot of posts from you, motherfuckers, and you cannot tell me, ah, they're not that sad, from the things you've been posting. <laughs> Otherwise, you've all been lying to me. <laughs> they all have depression. But s- not all depression is created equal. <laughs> <laughs> we, hey, we cannot, we cannot spoil Stormlight. Okay. Uh, all I know is one person told me one time that I had acute depression. I was trying to come up with a funny joke and I couldn't. Yeah, you all tried to. I was a little like cute. a belly button. Yeah, like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was told I was depressed because of recent circumstances, not I had depression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, chapter eighteen. Do you want to read the summary? Yeah, I guess so. Oh, we should mention the reason that this plot to take over the throne works is because. Eodon has a system set up that grants titles based on wealth, so he has to be the wealthiest to make him king. Yeah, if he is less wealthy than someone else, he loses the throne. And he can't cheat the system. Yeah. The system is the system. Mm -hmm. Which is ludicrous because, like, you... 
Right, I have to talk about this bit. <laughs> sorry. Oh, we oh to... wait. Sorry, before you do that, he, <laughs> the only reason he's on top is because he includes national taxes under his personal income. I was income. about to say, right? Because, like, <laughs> like that, right? And, and the whole thing is, like, when you're the king, you don't have to have a private business to be rich. You have all the money. It goes to you. <laughs> That's what being a king means. <laughs> But no, he was all. All the nobility are the merchant class who rose up and took. Like all the servants rose up and killed all their masters, but then the merchants are the ones who took power. I, like the, that was I, a thing that happened ten years ago. Yeah, in 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 in, in like, at the same time with the Elantra stuff. Yes. Yeah. There's an, there's an idea there, but I, it seems really muddled. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's this whole book. <laughs> Um, but you see, the the servants—they were the servants of gods. They were treated so well that they revolted when their gods died. They instantly saw weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, that, anyway, that lines up with all the stuff about you know finding. Yes. Oh, it's all coming together. I'm dropping the coffee cup. <laughs> <laughs> You're dropping the coffee. Not on your laptop, I hope. It's Shut a reference up. to a movie that is bad, and I don't want to talk about. It, but it's, it's a cultural okay. reference. Oh, Chapter Usual eight. Suspects. I was yeah, trying to remember you. which movie. I knew I knew the gif in my head. I couldn't remember which movie. <laughs> like, two of yeah. the people who are involved are fucking, you know... Oh, right. Yeah. So, let's just move on from that. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to think, like, what that one movie where somebody drops a cup. <laughs> Chapter 18. Raythin is interrogating Diran and Elantrian in his office. Dilaf is shocked by this, but Raythan explains that he needs to know his enemy. Raythan asks Dilaf to prepare their nightly sermon, then dismisses him to talk further with Diran, who speaks of hunger and gangs. <laughs> Raythan then has the guard captain escort Diran back to Elantris. Dilaf preaches zealously at the chapel that evening, speaking out against Elantris at first, then segueing into a speech against Shukorneth as ordered by Raythan. Then Dilaf reveals that he took custody of Diran and tortured him and drives the crowd into a murderous frenzy against the Elantrian. But Raven interjects and manages to redirect the mob away from executing Darren, since that would turn Eodon against him, instead of preaching that they should stop following Karethi heresies. After the sermon, Raven has Darren brought to the chapel gardens, and privately has him burned alive to put him out of his misery. Raven berates Diloph for his overzealousness and overreaching of his authority. Raven concludes that Diloph is a liability and must be dealt with. Harry then contacts Fortin, a subject of Provo, <laughs> who has performed various services for the Gjorn in the past, and asks that he create a special elixir and deliver it to him in Arlon as quickly as possible. Harry <laughs> then contacts Fortin, a subject of Hrovel, who has performed various <laughs> services for the Gjorn in the past and asks that he create a special elixir and deliver it to him in Arlon as quickly as possible. Uh. Every time I see Arlon, I want to say Arlon because that like rolls off the tongue better, but it's not. It's Arlon. It's actually Arilon. Arilon? Arlon. Arlon. The audiobook narrator says Arlon. 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 That's the hacker group from but Watch also, Dogs, right? Also, I don't trust this fucking narrator, because he says words different sometimes. This like, was not he, a book read at, um... This is not after, like, Sanderson was big enough to be like, here's a pronunciation guide. 
Yeah, there is a pronunciation guide for Elantras on his website, though. But I don't think the audiobook narrator had it <laughs> <No>. or cared. <laughs> uh, but, like, there's definitely the two readers who do Sanderson. Yeah, well, okay, so going forward, he has Michael Kramer and Kate Reading, who are very popular audiobook readers, do his stuff. And it's very funny because sometimes, like, Michael Kramer and T- Kate Reading are um, married... And every now and then, like, they will differ on how to pronounce something. And there is a fandom tendency to get mad at Kate for mispronouncing things instead of just, like... it. Somehow, it's always Michael that's right. It's never Kate that's right about the pronunciations in the view of the fandom. I don't know why that is. Thinking emoji. <laughs> They're so woke. Everyone in, this- <laughs> everyone in this audience is just uh, so woke. Um, anyway, what, uh, what do we say about this fucking curse? Do we want to talk about the Fjordel curse? What's the Fjordel curse? Brook of Jaw! (laughs) 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 I don't... What did the audiobook reader say that one, Mike? I think... (laughs) I think the audiobook narrator just said, Diloff yelped a Fjordel curse. I don't think he even tried that. I don't remember him <laughs> saying that. <laughs> I do not remember Hrokoth Jaw. Hrokoth <laughs> Jaw? Or Yaw, maybe? I don't know. Um, yeah? Jadith? I feel like this... Is it Yadith or Jadith? Jadith. So it's Ja. Uh, oh, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> What is there to say about these chapters? I'm trying to think of like what the thing to hook on in these chapters is. My Croden. <laughs> Diloph, uh, formerly Igor coded, now seems to be catching on to like what's going on because Diloph is like, "Oh, the deadline," and Hrathen's like, "How did you know about the deadline?" Um, How does he know about the deadline? He yeah. can't. He must be bluffing. Unless. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, what is there to say about these chap- this chapter? Well, this chapter, at least for me, because I haven't seen the other Thracian chapters, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, he, because I, I stopped midway through the first Thracian chapter and, <laughs> as I was just overwhelmed with Thracian commenting thoughts on the subject of Horval. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and just shit like that for 20 pages. I'm realizing that shit was still going on in chapter 18. Like, no, it hasn't slowed down. Very funny. No, uh, no it's awful but horizon thing seems to be like i said like uh understanding that his religion is a power structure with which to influence uh people in order to like serve uh his nation's like goals of becoming a world power um Mm -hmm. and are basically on the like whims of already being able to do that uh and almost because he's done it. He, he, they've done he, it. Yeah. he just six months ago incited a rebellion in the Duladel Republic to turn it into a monarchy loyal to the Fjordal Empire and wiped out the Jeskir religion. <laughs> yeah, and like he's he's haunted by his past of like, oh, revolution is so scary. I can't do that again. Mm-hmm. Wait, Horathen's meant to be sympathetic? Yeah, Horathen is supposed to be the sympathetic bad guy. Did not get that from this chapter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Understandable. I got there were no events, I guess, where it's like, oh, 
um, Dilaf's just the fucking Joker, so um, uh, he's going to burn this guy alive. I don't think we should burn guys alive, but it absolutely just reads as like a strategic disagreement. Well, um, it is. It is. So it's Hraithan weird is a, and complicated. Hraithan is like always the strategic guy who's like yeah, he's you know loose. trying to think. Yeah, he's Lelouch. Raiden is also Lelouch, uh, as covered on a previous episode of this podcast. Um, Just Lelouch is all the way down here. <laughs> <laughs> well, Raiden is like, I believe in this religion because it makes logical sense, and the hierarchies make sense, and I'm comfortable with the structure that this provides the world. Mm-hmm. I, I like the logic and the structure of this worldview, and it makes me feel comfortable. And... He's, like, reckoning with the fact that Diloph is this, like, passionate, like, fervent person that he has never been. Well, and also he's trying to reckon with trying now to turn his, like, strategic mind on doing this, like, doing the imperialism thing non-violent, as, like, with as little bloodshed as possible. Like, that is, like, the thing that he's focused on now because he saw all the bloodshed in Dooladel and that freaked him out. He doesn't want to convert from the bottom up now. He wants to convert the nobility, and so that in name, it will be a Shudareth country, so that he doesn't have to have the however many, like, soldiers march in and, like, fight people. Mm-hmm. Which is at the end of the deadline. Yeah. Um. So... The thing about burning people is that Elantrians <laughs> burn really fast. That was established early on in one of the Rayadin chapters. But nobody really knows for sure if the, if that helps you or kills you. Yeah, no one actually knows. Because, like, what are you going to do? Are you going to risk getting burned alive and finding out? Like, Yeah, like, the thing with them is that, like, when they, you know, the pain or... The, uh, Elantrians can't stop experiencing sensation, but if you get rid of their body by burning it, you can't hear them or see them anymore. So they're, they're like their matter is gone. But do they? Li- does their pain live on? Do they just become pain itself? Well, I, I we know as readers of other Brandon books some details about this because every being has three. <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm pulling you out. We you can't. This is too deep, Brandon Lore. We can't talk about realmatic theory. No. <laughs> okay. I take it back. I'm not going to read these books. <laughs> realmatic theory. What is going? <laughs> Basically, no. <laughs> going to be quick and concise. Okay. Because okay. this is under undermining everything that Brandon writes in the Cosmere. Okay. There are three facets of existence. Mm-hmm. Physical, cognitive, and spiritual. And so, when you burn an Elantrian, the cognitive and the spiritual might still persist on just suffering. Right. But, like, cog- like the cognitive is ideas that are created by th- thinking, like, those kinds of ideas. Mm-hmm. And then the spiritual is ideals, like... The platonic idea of a concept. Mm-hmm. That's what the spiritual realm is. So mm-hmm. it's complicated in that we don't understand like what the Elantrian system in place is that right. Brandon is writing this through. So when, they, when, when, when a person is created, they have <clears throat> a, uh, a body, a heart, and a soul. And when, yes. they're, uh-huh. <laughs> when yes. they're separated from the heart, the heart becomes a heartless. 
Yes. yes. Okay. Uh, and the body becomes a nobody. The body <laughs> becomes a corpse. <laughs> and... <laughs> We can talk about cognitive shadows in about six years. No, we can't. <laughs> well, no, unfortunately, we have to. We will have to. Um, I have nothing about this chapter. I really don't. This is, like... Um... This is just kind of like... Oh, oh, I do have stuff about this chapter. I found the, um... Like, the burning, the Elantri and Alive stuff, like, kind of wrote kind of like stuff that like, Diloph has already done a little bit, but, um, let's talk about Harithan calling up his weed guy. Yeah, so... <laughs> Dude, I, need, I the... need that WMT, is what he basically you... says. <laughs> but that's that's one the of the, the the names they have for their, uh, for the heroine in The Wire. So, um... The man laughed happily, though the laugh quickly turned to a wheeze. Fortin had a chronic cough, a condition Hraithen had was certain by the various substances the man was fond of smoking. Um, of course, my lord, he said through his coughing. When, I, when am I not well? Fortin was a man utterly contented with his life, a, good, a condition that was also caused by the various substances he was fond of smoking. <laughs> Brandon met one guy in college who smoked <laughs> weed, and it blew his fucking mind. <laughs> I mean... Considering Brandon's background, it would. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> um, but he is a guy who's high all the time, and he knows how to make potions and poisons and elixirs, and we don't get to know what Hraithan is up to because uh, the book needs to reveal things, so we just don't have that information. Um, the The audiobook narrator also narrates... The weed guy is talking like this, man. He's just like, Yes, my lord, Hraithan, I'll totally get you that potion. <laughs> it's so much. Which is, it's also funny because he that's also the voice he does for Galadon. And so it sounds like he calls Galadon. Because <laughs> his, his Galadon voice is also like, Suli, what are you up to? The Sul Sule. I was reading that Sul because that's how it's spelled. Um, yeah, it's Suli, and he's always like Suli. What are you up to? <laughs> that's, it sound like me. <laughs> that's stupid. The Suli thing, stupid, really dumb. Stupid. I was just a farmer. <laughs> yeah, I, bro, I was just a farmer. A farmer of life, my guy. <laughs> I cut. <laughs> we forgot to talk about Galadon being like, I cut every tree that made my house, man. Oh God, <laughs> yes, right. Because it's better that it's, it's better to have a house you build yourself than to have a mansion built by servants. Uh, if you don't lay lay the house yourself, you can't have real satisfaction. If you don't clean the shit off your cathedral with a <laughs> with a toothbrush, you can't say it's truly beautiful. Meaning is found through the individual. This book's politics are wild. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> we're, we're finally getting a consistent picture of them in these chapters because it's been confusing. Uh, it's becoming less confusing, just dumber. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, th- I thought the Horizon chapter was like fine, I guess. It wasn't super interesting. Um, I, the Horizon's like whole conflict here is very, very rote as like, oh. I'm, oh, the, yeah. I'm the noted bad guy, but I'm the one who doesn't want to do the murder. But I'm also smarter mm-hmm. than everyone. But also that means mm-hmm. that uh, 
I've got to, uh, you know, shoot Dilaf in the head next week because uh, he's gone too far and I can't control him. So he's like doing. He's gone too far again. Yep, he's gone too far again, uh, and he's failed me for the last time. (laughs) (laughs) Apology accepted, (laughs) Artef (laughs) Dilaf. I have forgiven Artef (laughs) Dilaf. Um. What's a, this also this chapter also sneaks in the revelation that this entire book has only been 14 days and it blew my fucking mind <laughs> wait so within two weeks you're telling uh-huh. me that uh Raiden has not only been the first person to invent like we should have some farms here and we should like do things together uh, yes but has but- like but that's two weeks also, in the last also two weeks, recruited two of the three gangs that were there when he started to join under his banner. Yes. Also, in the last two weeks, um, Hraithan has apparently converted hundreds of people, like enough that they don't fit in the cathedral. This is the thing that I was frustrated about in the Hraithan chapter, which is like the 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 book is going into a lot of detail about the like geopolitical situation outside of the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the various kingdoms and alliances that f- form the balance of the world, and who's aligned with whom, what this could tip this war in this favor, and this thing happened ten years ago in the bubble. So there's lots of, there's lots of like moving peace in the air and different like interlocking powers, which is interesting, but not because it's all some guy saying, "Oh, hey, uh, I, I got a letter that this happened a week ago." Uh, like <laughs> all of these things get explained in some like weird happenstance way where someone mentions it and he's like and someone else goes you what like that happens multiple times <laughs> but right. when, when it comes to the city itself it's like a generic the people or Harathan could control the people and it's like what people I guess we have like a merchant nobility class <clears throat> and a king and this religion that's like you know uh, clearly I was gonna say evil but I don't mean that clearly like an obviously like a corrupting influence on the power of the state that currently exists here so they should have Mm -hmm. just kicked it out immediately because you're the king you can do that uh yeah and your justification could be look at what happened to our allies this is clearly not on the level i like i I think they're dumb for i don't know maybe the book gets into why they didn't do that and it's probably some car we can't be seen to be interfering with the religion the people will riot uh, or something but it's always that's in, kind of it it's always in that bit. generic sense of like at least in this chapter like the people dilaf put the people into a frenzy but Hrathen, uh you know with his masterful control put the people back on his course and then they would tell the other people and the people would grow and his war number grew up by 200 <laughs> <laughs> his war assets yeah i mean it's kind of tied into the thing we were saying earlier about like you don't actually get the fight scene that um Serini and Iandel have, and you don't get the sermon that Diloph gives. You just hear Diloph gave a sermon, and it was like this. We get more of it in this chapter than before, but still not much. Still not much. Oh, there's there's more in this one than the other chapters? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, there's less. There's more, like, just describing the structure and, like, the, uh, the art of sermon. Yeah. There's just, like, there's a chapter where Hraithan just stands in the back of the church thinking about the art of, like, rhetoric and not actually, like, um... <laughs> doing any rhetoric? Yeah, doing any rhetoric. <laughs> so. The the closest thing we get is all the times that, like, every single time um, Serini and Hraithan have been on the same, uh, have been in the same chapter, they have, like, 
YouTube style debates, basically. <laughs> Brandon is giving a sermon on the walls of Elantris, and then Serini shows up and does her bimbo act, which wasn't in this chapter. I was disappointed that Jackson didn't get to see the bimbo act. Does yeah, bimbo act. What? Yeah, Serini <laughs> pretends to be dumb all the time so that everybody underestimates her. That's her thing. Oh. Why are you why are you painting in the center of my court? Well, you said to go to the court. I didn't say in the middle. Oh, whatever. Yeah. Oh. It's cuz it's cuz they underestimate women. They don't think women can be smart, but she's actually super smart. But then there is a there was a line but, that was like a justification of why it's not sexist that she's the only smart woman. <laughs> of like <laughs> of like, oh, um she was unusually smart for a woman, but not really because all women were smart and all women are queens. They just they just knew they had to hide it till they were married. And she was she was showing them they could do. That. I'm like, because because he, he realizes by making this like character so exceptionally smart and cool uh, and strong female character, like he is inadvertently saying that you know every other woman is beyond their phones dumb. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And is trying to push back against that, but in only in ways that make it more obvious what he's doing. I wonder what I wonder what Hraithen's weed guy is up to. That's another frustrating thing. Is I would like to know what what potion he needs. We get the like, oh yeah, I can totally get that potion to you. It'll just take two weeks, and it's like, just tell us what the potion's for. Yeah, like if this were Sanderson of like eight years forward in time, that scene would have been its own little aside, like a side chapter from the POV of. Fortin um, of Horovo. Of, uh, of Fortin, a subject of Horovo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, he would have gotten the phone call. He would be like, yeah. And then he would have, like, we would know what he was up to, but we wouldn't know when that would come into play. Right. Uh, but we would know, like, the pieces on the board. Uh, you ask, uh, what's the potion he needs? A uh, giant bum gift panning to the back and pointing at the weed side. <laughs> <laughs> It's just CBD oil. <laughs> Hraithen's just like, I'm really uptight lately, man. I just gotta chill. <laughs> Wait, is his reaction to, I need to take care of Diloff, I need to Amazon Prime some poison for two weeks from now, so that Diloff Surely... has plenty of time to cause more mischief? Surely he just stabbed that guy, right? Nori is making a face. <laughs> Have we had any indication that Hraithen is martial minded? No, but he knows where Diloph sleeps. <laughs> yeah, but he wears plate mail all the time. I would like. And that gives you a t- penalty. There's an armor check penalty to stealth. And you can't add your dexterity modifier. I, okay, I don't mean to spell Alfie, but he's going to put the poison in the drink. He's going to make him drink this poison. <laughs> He's going to poison him, and then he's going to die of poison. Two weeks from now? Two weeks from now! Well, I guess a lot can happen in two weeks, considering how long the book has taken place over. <laughs> also, also, I should just note, um, according to the audiobook, at the end of this chapter, we are now 41% done. On chapter 18 of 63, so... Oh. <laughs> Shit's gonna speed up at some point, I assume. That's the right. That's the right move because I I was watching. I mean, reading the stand and the stand. I'm over halfway through the chapters, but like forty percent through the book, and uh, the chapters are all like an hour long now. And uh, I think long chapters going into shorter chapters is the way you feel. You feel better about yourself. 
It's a, it's how every Sanderson book is structured, Good. Um, which he is understand and, <laughs> until you get to the one chapter in future book that um is like a novella length. <laughs> yeah, there is like one one hundred page chapter in future book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, I guess the book itself is going to be within the deadline of Hraithan's Ark. Oh. Yeah, that would make sense of, like... Like, that coming to a head as the climax, not as, like, part of the story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we're not going to go farther than that, time-wise. Yeah, maybe, like, a week past that, but still. Anyway. Sounds like we're winding down. Sounds like we've... We've gotten all the laughs we can get out of Fort in the subject of Froval. (laughs) (laughs) We'll never get all the laughs out of that that we can. (laughs) Jackson, where can people find you online? We can find me. We can... <laughs> people. Jackson, where can people find you online? <laughs> well, they don't check line, so try something else. <laughs> I check line occasionally. <laughs> I, if I didn't check line, how am I on this podcast? That's Damn. true. Checkmate atheists. Checkmate atheists. You can find me at headfallsoff on twitter.com. You can find the podcast that I do usually with M at abnormapping.com. There's a bunch of cool ones there. If you subscribe at our Patreon for $1 a month at patreon.com slash abnormalmapping, you can listen to The Great Gundam Project, a weekly Gundam podcast. We're going through all of Gundam. We're in 08th MS team right now, and uh, we'll be starting After War Gundam X pretty soon. You should listen to those. A lot of this podcast is inspired by the Great Gundam Project, such as the part where it's going to take a decade. <laughs> yeah, we're starting at the beginning. We're going through all of it, and we're not talking about or thinking about things that happen ahead of us before we get there. We, I'm thinking about things that happened ahead well, of we us. St- but I'm trying to keep it off the podcast. We've already corrupted the timeline because we like these books. Yeah. If no. this was like, oh, let's get into Sanderson by doing this podcast, we would quit. <laughs> yeah, we would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we would because this is not a good intro to sanderson no and it would take us four years to get to way of kings the best book ever there are better sanderson books in the yeah. way of kings but anyway nora where can people find you uh you can find me on twitter at neither nora you can find stuff i do at norablake.online um i'm on lots of podcasts here at export audio Subscribe to the Patreon and you can find bonus episodes for this one when they come out, which we haven't done in a while. Uh, we'll get to it. Uh, hmm. You can also listen to Duo Lane, where Olivia and I hang out before we record our League of Legends podcast. Sometimes we play Minecraft. Sometimes we talk about Common Writer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <clears throat> there's also other stuff. I'm on abnormalmapping.com. What's uh, that? Uh, it's a podcast about anime. <laughs> uh, uh, I do a podcast called Journal Updated where Molly and I play video games with choices and stuff. And we're playing Mass Effect Andromeda this month. You can find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee. I've got a pinned tweet with links to all the podcasts we do. And if you go to the Patreon, you can find links or all the podcasts that I do are on my Twitter. All the export podcasts are on exportodd.io. That also takes you to the YouTube channel, where hopefully I will soon be finishing up my playthrough of Resident Evil Remake HD Remaster. 
I'm um, playing Assassin's Creed, but I lost all the footage of my first video. So I'm going to have to... I'm not starting over either. So I'm dealing with that moving forward. Um, and also, we stream fighting games yeah. on that channel, which we're going to go do after this recording. Yeah. And not right after. We're going to eat dinner first. Yeah. We're going to probably play some... Melty Blood? Melty Blood or Unist? It's Uniclear now, not yeah, Unist. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but yeah. Come watch us play fighting games. We do a nighttime show where we fuck around with games that we don't really necessarily care if we're good at called Sleeper Hit. And then we do a morning stream sometimes with the games that we actually want to focus on called Wake Up DP. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, I was going to plug one more thing. Oh, yeah. Um, Tilly might be back next episode. Might take a little longer. We'll see. Uh, if not, more guests. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you should listen to their other podcast, Higgledy Piggledy Will Statements. <laughs> Tick, and I'm talk like a clock. <laughs> I'm, this, I'm leaving. I'm fucking leaving. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Do we have a sign off yet for this podcast? I completely I forgot. always forget. Um, Keep it Rubio. <laughs> no! We will say. Um, there you go. Got it. Nailed it. <laughs> I want to. I want to do the oaths. I feel like the oaths. We can't do that until six years into the podcast. I know. I know. We have. We can. We have one for Mistborn lined up, so that's fine. Um, There's just nothing in Elantris to hook onto. I guess like truth. Can't, until next time, remember, truth cannot be defeated. Only forgotten for, or even if it's forgotten. For- <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. You okay then? You okay then? <laughs> I'm gonna. I have a copy of Dune next to me. I'm gonna open a copy, this copy find, of Dune. Open and... the copy of Dune that is mine, by the way, and find a passage to be our sign-off for the Elantris arc of Ars Arcanum. Lightning McQueen, call it Cars Arcanum. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Uh, I'm flipping to... Find something not racist. <laughs> I'm closing the book. <laughs> oh, we got a, we've got a bookmark in here. I'll just read something from the page that's bookmarked. How about this? Uh, Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs> that's boring. Okay. The Orange Catholic Bible. <laughs> no! <laughs> no, I'm ending it. It's over. Stop it. I'm gonna find the thing. Okay. Life before death. No. <laughs> Where are we? I just think that there's three of us and there's three oaths. We could say the oaths. I feel like fourth in the subject of approval right now. <laughs> Can y'all be nice to me? I just, want, I just want to end the podcast. Please, could I press truth, the stop Until next button. time, remember, truth can never be defeated, even if people do forget about it occasionally. <laughs> Stupid. I'm hitting That's stop. That's our sign off now for this arc. <laughs>